Hey, everybody! Hi, guys. Well, from blustery Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Frank Feldman. And I'm Dan Beecher. And coming up today, a special, special interview that Dan did. That Frank is talking about, but hasn't even heard I yet. I haven't heard it. It's so exciting. Uh, it's Tell with, us about it, Dan. It's, it's, a, it's an interview with uh, Tony Award-nominated uh, playwright Robert Askins. Huh. Uh, he's the guy that wrote the the smash hit uh, on Broadway. The it was a hit in, in London's West End. Wow. Hand to God, uh, fantastic! A, a version of which uh, I, I, a production of which I am currently in. Wonderful here, here in Salt Lake City. Yeah, and he he stopped by, and uh, we 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 had a, a really interesting chat. The the guy is fascinating. Wonderful, and uh, and and the play touches on a lot of religious themes. He's very interested in religious themes, and so well, we had, it'll be very exciting to hear the interview and yeah, and hopefully see the play. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, it's so a, it's a good. That'll be coming up later. In the meantime, Dan. Yeah. Uh. Somebody had a birthday. Somebody's birthday in this room near you. Somebody's birthday. I don't know who. It's somebody's it's, birthday it's not it's not yours no uh it's September. uh it was benedict pope benedict the 16th's birthday what uh, this last week the day after easter is when they celebrate it because his birthday actually fell on easter <gasps> this year. that proves that he's the real pope <laughs> that proves it he's not he resigned the pope the popehood he's, he's 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 an emeritus popiness his popiness was 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 relinquished. I wonder if he could if he could if he else. could because he's Pope Emeritus. I wonder if he could jump out and pope, just like just like pope a little bit here and there. Well, what does what does a pope? What are what's the job requirements? Like, what is the job description? I don't know for a pope. Like, he's just he's God's vicar on earth. I just want him to pope so, a little bit every now and then. No, I just want him to poke his head out. He's, and pope. He doesn't vicar. He doesn't pope anymore uh, at all. Okay. Well, anyway, he turned ninety years old. Wow! Had a party. Yeah, <laughs> he's one of those guys that could be that could like the range of age that he could be with that face is like anywhere from like seventy to a thousand. Yeah, and, and it's you been would, that way for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those people. He's one of those guys that looked old when he was nineteen. He looked like he well, was no, eighty-seven he, when he was. He 19. probably looked like he was like twenty when he was. 45 and then he hit 50 and then he just flipped just fell apart just flipped just went all the way to the other side of it no i don't know about that he smoked anyway. two cigarettes when he was 42 and became 90 <laughs> all fell apart uh yeah the 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 his party uh attended by um a bunch of people from bavaria Oh, home, sure, sure. Right? A lot of representatives, including the prime minister of Bavaria. Ooh. You know, Bavaria had a prime minister. Yeah, are they allowed how, to do how that? Does this how does their political system work? Seems, I don't know. Seems sketchy. Uh, nonetheless, uh, lots of dignitaries, people in Bavarian garb. <laughs> uh, in, Dirndls and lederhosen uh, abound. His brother, Monsignor George Ratzinger, was oh. also there. His brother's a Monsignor? Can you believe that? I That's a weird that. family business. And let me tell you, <laughs> uh, in, the, in the photo, in sort of the main photo with the article, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're sitting outside. So when the Monsignor has his really dark sunglasses on, 
with his uh, Monsignor robes and all hat and whatnot. Um, one doesn't think much about it. But then when one begins looking through all of the photos yeah. included, including a bunch inside and sure. some more outdoors and la la la, and the man never takes off his sunglasses, you have to start to wonder what he's hiding. Oh. oh but anyway... It's... Apparently, apparently, evil is also the family business. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> actually, well, anyway, uh, the article that I read made made hay over the fact that uh, Benedict enjoyed a beer. Oh dear! In uh, his picture, he's he actually looks like a small child with both hands on this beer as <laughs> he's like holding it up to his face, drinking it like, um, as a baby does a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also some fun details here. Um, he, uh, I guess apparently he was, uh, they, uh, they noticed him admiring a gift basket, mm. uh, whose goodies included pretzels. <laughs> My goodness. This man, boy, living it up at 90. Yeah. Yeah. Pretzels and beer. Some Prada shoes and a nice. <laughs> Probably, I assume some Oompa music <laughs> with all these Bavarians around. I mean, come on. Cowbells a, a plenty. <laughs> there really was no reason to bring this up. I just loved Benedict is one of those characters, you know. Uh, like I've missed him. Yeah, he was he's, just so. He's, yeah, he's 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 the person that like he's supposed to be the devil, but he's a, but but instead they cast him like central casting went the other way with him. <laughs> Tried to put him in the the nice guy outfit. It just didn't work. Just didn't work. That's why he had to resign. They had to ca they had to fire him and cast somebody else. Yeah, who was who a, a lovable, and right? Happy grandpa. Yeah. Wouldn't Frankly, these two popes need a sitcom. I don't know how. We've said it before. I don't know how it hasn't happened. Talk about yeah. I mean, you got like your Jack Lemon, uh, Walter Matthau perfection. Oh yeah, here. yeah. Perfection. Yeah. Walter Matthau, of course, being old pope. Benedict. Benedict, Benedict, being yeah. angry Pope, yeah, 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 and then and then and then mm. in comes in comes uh, Jolly Fra Francis, yeah, who's all nice and everything, but a little fastidious and likes to keep the Vatican cleaner than yeah. Except in this version, I think the grumpy one is the fastidious one. Yeah, we've gone Laurel and Hardy on this and sort of reversed it around. <laughs> <laughs> He's the. Yeah, happy-go-lucky happy Pope comes in, and Grumpy yeah. Pope's like, why have... Oh, you left dishes in the sink again. <laughs> only, only mit ein German accent. Yeah. Why? You always leave, and I have to vacuum everything. Yeah. And then they have sex with each other. <laughs> because you know that's what, the, what was really going on with the odd couple, especially the TV version. Of course it was. Of course <laughs> they were having gay sex with each other. All the time. They ruined, they were constantly cock blocking each other with women. Right. Why? Well, that was part of the facade. Yeah. Yeah. They had to. Because neither of them wants to have sex with a woman. Right. <laughs> their just, beard. They had to have their beard. Though, yeah. So they'd have know? the dates. They'd yeah. ruin the dates. Right. They'd be, they'd feign, feign anger at each other and go have great makeup sex. It's yeah. the perfect setup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are talking about Jack Lemon here. Yeah. Come on. Something like a hot. Nobody's perfect. You remember the end he of that was, movie? He was into that role. Actually, he received a lot of criticism. Like, there were a lot of people who were like, Jack Lemmon enjoyed that role a little too much. <laughs> if you know what I mean. 
course, the guy was straight. But yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> but he he did like a nice he chiffon relished. dress. <laughs> he got into the role. All right. Well, since we're on the Pope bandwagon, I'm uh-huh. gonna I'm gonna keep us in Rome, uh, because when in Rome, meet the Pope. Yeah. Or don't. Pretzels here's a beer with the here, Pope. Here's the thing. So so the. Uh, <laughs> The Trump administration has been ta- talking about a trip that he's taking to Rome. Okay. And uh, and for the longest time, nobody was mentioning this religious guy that lives there. <laughs> like, it was just going to be a what? diplomatic mission, I guess, to the country of Italy. Okay. Without meeting with the Pope, which the last, like, you know, 11 presidents have all met with the pope at okay. some point or other okay well here's the dealio i i mean i think we can all we can all see now that if there's something that drives donald trump more than anything else in the world much more than money his drive for money if it was for money then he would like not have started his stupid steak company or whatever right the thing that drives that man the thing that drove him to be to run for president, the thing that drove him to win the presidency at all costs, mm. revenge. Right. That man will hold a grudge like nobody's business. Right. Well, Pope Francis said shit against Trump, That's if you right. recall. Yeah, like, no, about, a, about a year ago, he was like, you know, uh-huh. anyone who would build a wall instead of building bridges is full of shit and blah, blah, blah. Right. And, like, Trump got furious about it. Right. As he does. Because it, his other thing is his ego. Right, yes. His fragile ego. His baby, baby. His <laughs> ego as tiny as his little hands. <laughs> well, Spicer has now announced, oh, probably boy. behind Trump's back, that they're, that they're totally looking into, that they're reaching out to have a meeting with, with the Pope. Of course, the Vatican then said, we haven't heard anything yet. Oh, but now boy. they got to. Okay. So, so that's so that's story number one. But really, I'm just using that as story as as a launching point for story number two because it gets me to talk about something else. Story number two is that uh, recently, Bill O'Reilly, oh, was in also in Rome. Yes, met the Pope. Yeah, basically on the day that he got fired from his job at Fox News. Right, hours hours before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No evidence that they actually spoke. No evidence that the Pope actually knew who the fuck he was. Right, because the picture I saw of this... Is it this picture it, it right looks here? Like, yeah, that's the one. This is just kind of a big group meeting. This is not a... He didn't have a hearing or whatever you call it. A, a, no, no, An no. audience no, with the Pope. No, he definitely did not have an audience. You know. He was just... He was out in the... Uh, out in the, uh, the St. Peter's Square. But in the special part of St. Peter's Square. Like in the, in the celebrity part of St. Peter's Square. The VIP. Right. VIP room. Back right. behind some velvet rope. Yeah, you're going to get a handshake <laughs> if, if you're in this section of the VIP is uh, that a thing? I think so. You show up at a certain time. Yeah, you show up. I the mean, bouncer lets you in Pope, and Pope, you get the, to meet the Pope. The Pope does the whole Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, St. Peter's Square has like opens up and everybody can pile into oh, St. Peter's Square. Lovely. Yeah. But then there's the like cordoned off section where like you get to meet him. And so uh, and so Billo got to meet him right as he was fired. From Fox News of all places, yeah, for uh, for being a d bag, yeah, d bag so, is also getting tens of millions of dollars in the firing. 
Well, yeah. I mean, like, it's he he was disgusting. their cash cow. Yeah, and he, to get rid of him, they're having to like give back a lot of the cash. Right. Like, they're okay. Here you go. Here you go. Get out of here. Get out of here. Bye bye. How is he of all the smarmy assholes in the universe? How is he the cash cow? I don't know. Because I mean, the guy was unwatchable. Like it was just oh, skin crawl. Not to not to millions of Americans. Apparently not. But like, like man, literally like four million. He had a four million share for the longest time, for his uh, for his. Stupid show. Four million viewers? Yeah, that's what I mean. Four million share would be a lot. Yeah, well, that would be, be like the whole world. Yes. <laughs> I meant viewers. Whatever. <laughs> TV lingo. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, he had, he had... So, you know, his consolation prize, at least he can cry into his millions of dollars and remember that time he shook the Pope's hand. He's a, he's a Catholic, ostensibly. So. Is he? Oh, O'Reilly. Yeah. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. <sighs> so maybe he's maybe, maybe now he'll uh, turn to the priesthood <laughs> where where he can sexually harass people all he wants. Well, and, and, all, and they won't fire him. They'll just shuffle him to another diocese. He might as well like have a vow of absence. Apparently nobody will have sex with him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Moving on. Well, it's like you can have sex with Bill O'Reilly, which, or you can make millions of dollars in a settlement. I'll take the millions. Yeah, come on, Bill. Bill O. Come here, Bill. Bill O, buddy. You can sexually harass me all you want. Yeah. Come, come on. And, come and try and, uh, yeah, except that he's not at Fox anymore. We'll see where, somebody will pick him up. Infowars. <sighs> Alex Jones oh, will get him. Oh, 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 the Blaze. The Blaze will pick him blaze. up for sure. No. <laughs> no, I doubt those two get along at all. No, of course not. Um, no, he, some, former colleagues. Yeah. Him and him and and uh, and Glenn Beck. Yeah, both fired from the same network. Right. It's perfect. <laughs> That'll be worth. Also a sitcom. Where Fox News people go to die. Two former anchors <laughs> fired from the same network. <laughs> now roommates. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So, Dan, this is kind of a follow-up story. Not really, because it's a completely separate story. But okay. it's related to a story that I uh, brought up last week. Okay. Um, about the, uh, what was it, the Alabama, quote-unquote, megachurch. Oh, yeah. That uh, is going to get its own police department. Yeah. Well, something similar is happening down in Dallas, Texas. Oh. Uh, not so much police department level type stuff, but um, security forces. Uh-oh. Right? Like security teams. Wow. And, uh, because apparently there's this real need at churches to defend themselves <laughs> yeah. from... What, who knows what? What more dangerous place could there be than <laughs> right? your church? Than church. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> uh, the story that I read um, about this sort of opens up with uh, the story of a um, predominantly black uh, church in the Dallas area. Sure. That um, was in a neighborhood that, you know, had some crime issues. And so the the pastor wanted to have a couple security guards. Mm. Found out somewhere in this process that they're actually 
running afoul of the law. You can't just have a security guard. Yeah, you have to, you have to register have to, those bastards. Yeah, exactly. And stuff. You, as the organization that has the security guard out there, you have to be sort of get this letter of authorization from the state, and mm. pay some some filing fees. Sure. La la la. Okay. So, but so they're running afoul of this whole thing. Mm. Well, they f- they feel like their religious freedom is being infringed upon. Oh. They should be able to just do whatever the fuck they want because they're a church. <laughs> right. And there's actually a quote. <laughs> we didn't know we needed a letter. I was kind of surprised. Usually churches are exempt because we're a religious organization. Yeah, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. That's these, the sense these guys have. Yeah, the the feeling among them is... Wait, regulation of any kind applies to us in any way? (laughs) How dare you, sir? So nonetheless, they found a sympathetic ear at the state legislature. Of course Uh, they did. Representative Matt Rinaldi. Oh, yeah. Um, Rep. Rep. Rinaldi. Yeah. I know him. He's pushing House Bill 421 uh, that uh, would change the requirements for church security. What? They can't get a fucking letter? How hard is this? Well, here's the deal. Because not only uh, do you need the letter. Yeah. Okay? The way things currently stand uh, for a private, let's see, for a letter of, of authority for volunteer security teams, places of worship must pay $400, a $400 fee and an annual $225 renewal charge. Volunteers must submit to background checks and training, but cannot carry guns. Only off-duty law enforcement members or security guards can f- carry firearms. Insurance coverage is not required. This, however, is unacceptable <laughs> to the religious community. Uh, and so Rinaldi's bill would actually get rid of the $400 fee and the renewal charge and exempt <laughs> churches from training, licensing, and background checks. Oh, my God. And allow volunteers to carry guns. Oh, my God. But churches would have to take responsibility for making sure they are licensed. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I hope everybody in the churches feels a lot safer now. <laughs> now and so Welcome to how safe church is with people running around with guns protecting right. you. And so they were already allowing these volunteer security teams to be functioning at like a level of training and whatnot that was much lower than what a private security company would have to like. And let me tell you something. I know people who have worked private security. Yeah. That level of training, that that benchmark is already pretty low. <laughs> but I think a lot of it really depends on whether you have gu- you're allowed to carry a gun or not. No, no, I know guys who are like allowed to carry guns and everything, oh, but they're getting like nine bucks an hour. They're not getting paid well, so they don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you don't get the cream of the crop. Nonetheless, this should defend these churches, and in the event of an actual incident, yeah, it's always good to have sort of lesser trained security folk who are just going to open fire at anything that's moving and who also don't really have a level of training needed to interface with the police when the police finally do show up. Right. Yeah. So it's it's great on all counts. Yeah. This is, this is an awesome bill. You know what? I'm going to do a TGIA public service announcement and just say that (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, if you're in the South and you go to a church 
uh, and you're an atheist. We, you know, you, that's why you listen to the show. But you go to church because you know mom wants you to go to Easter service or something. Right. Don't start a ruckus. <laughs> you you will get shot. <laughs> Do not start a ruckus. It is too dangerous. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then there's just a wonderfully sort of Texan line here. Yeah. Uh, made me chuckle. As a guy with a concealed handgun license, if I walk into Luby's, okay, do you know what Luby's is? No. <laughs> it's just this restaurant chain. Okay. It just made me chuckle. Either. I'm like, God damn this guy. If I walk into Luby's and somebody <laughs> attempts to rob or do something else, I'm free under the law to defend myself and others. Why is it that under a church, they say I need more licensing? Yeah, that's... I uh, I think I don't think there was ever a more Texas statement made. I know. I'm amazed you didn't because end the right. reference of Luby's. Also, I believe Luby's was the one that was shot up, <laughs> like really seriously. Like he might be I'm making sh- a really strong reference. Here yeah, I'm sure he is. To, uh, because I remember back in the '90s, there was this Luby's in like Waco, not Waco. What's well, one of those like North Texas towns? Anyway, got just shot the fuck up. Yeah, right, like big time. I'm amazed you didn't end that quote by just yelling things like, "Remember the Alamo? The stars at night are big and bright." <laughs> Don't mess with Texas. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is some Texas right there. Yeah, it is. All right, uh, I'm gonna move from Texas over to Alabama. Where <laughs> we we just made back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Alabama, Texas. Absolutely. Alabama, Texas. We made a uh, uh, we we made a reference I think last week to I to like the fact that recently the governor had to resign ahead of some uh, some crazy sex scandal stuff. Oh yeah, uh, and also you know and, and not for nothing, but it was only ten months ago that their their house speaker was forced to resign in disgrace. Also, wow, <laughs> what's <laughs> coming on in Alabama? Well, apparently being a Republican doesn't make you the uh, paragon of morality that we all thought that it did. I don't know, Dan. We were all con- so convinced that being a, re- being a member of the religious right made you impeachable, moralistically speaking. Unimpeachable. Well, I guess now impeachable. <laughs> You're right. I was saying unimpeachable, but now impeachable fully highly very very impeachable <laughs> to wit the latest uh in the in in the in the downfall of all of alabama's leadership uh if you recall justice chief justice of the alabama supreme court mm. roy moore <laughs> oh boy our favorite that's, guy that's a name that just keeps coming up well it won't ever again did he die no. Uh-oh. He was removed from the bench. Uh, you'll recall that he was, al- he was already m- removed from the bench. Right. Temporarily. And then got reelected or something, right? Well, okay. How does it work? The, here's the, here's the history. Yeah. Here's the, the history. He was elected to Supreme Court, to, to, to Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Okay. A while back. Okay. Then he was removed from the bench. Oh, no. So he ran again. <laughs> and then, and won. And then, now this time, he pissed a lot of people off because he basically ordered all of the all of these smaller courts. What do they call them? 
the lower courts anyway, uh, he ordered them all to uh, not obey the same-sex marriage ruling of the United <laughs> States Supreme Court. He basically said, uh, he said, he said, in his co- official capacity, he ordered Alabama's probate judges to ignore the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling on marriage equality. Uh, this might crumpled a few noses. Oh, it ruffled some feathers. Oh, and some of those feathers are, you know, federal courts and oh. people in charge. Anyway, so he was temporarily suspended pending a hearing or pending a something or other. So oh, he's been goodness. suspended for a while. Well, the Alabama Supreme Court just upheld the decision that removed Mr. Moore. And so he is, he cannot run again. He is officially out. Done. I think because of his age. His age has now precluded him from coming back. So <laughs> he cannot run for office again. Oh, grumpy pants. What is he going to do? I, I, I Fox hope- News has an opening. I'm guessing he's going to show up there. <laughs> I just hope he's like, you know, been prudent with his money and, yeah. you know. Taking advantage of the 401k program at, 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 One the, would at hope. the Alabama Supreme Court. No, because uh, you know, I wouldn't. I would. Like, I would not be surprised if we saw like more and more and more on Fox News or something. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he showed up there. Well, uh, he's perfect for them. Yeah, he is. He can have uh, uh, Tucker's spot. <laughs> What's can, his spot? What's his name? He can the have the guy a, with the bow tie. Tucker Carlson. Carlson? Tucker Carlson. Because he's get he, Tucker Carlson's getting. O'Reilly's spot. Oh, that's the okay. rumor I saw. Okay, well, it doesn't matter. So he can have the like the nine o'clock. O'Reilly or, or Fox News has like seven people left, so he can just he can they'll just throw him on whenever. <laughs> they need to start getting more women in some of these spots. They keep sexually harassing them until they leave. It's a problem. I know. Even even like Greta Van Susteren couldn't couldn't like, hack it. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Everywhere she turned, say it, like couldn't hack it because the woman no. was being. Uh, it was an awful work environment, right? Exactly. That nobody should be able to like, right? But even her, yeah, exactly. She, she seems tough as nails. Couldn't that woman couldn't turn a corner without yeah. someone calling her sweet tits or something. <laughs> anyway, what do you got? Oh boy, it must be a pl- just a shitty, shitty organization. <laughs> You All think? Right. All right, Dan. You think so? Roger Ailes, the head of the organization, gets fired eventually because he's the one that's doing it? Yeah. Yeah. It might be institutional at this point. All right, Dan. What? Department of Defense. DOD. It is official. Uh, humanism has been recognized as a uh, belief. Enemy of the state. No, as a belief uh, code, belief system, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that is uh, that the chaplaincy is uh, to include. Is it required to to respect? Respect, include, provide services for, have humanist chaplains. La la la. The that's, whole the whole bang the whole kit and caboodle. That's, that's what I was trying to think. That's of. probably very good. Yeah, they've uh, they've gone so far as changing the faith group code. Yeah, right. Which, is, which was the set of rules. The, I well, guess it was it was a code like you got there was a code for each faith group. They had like a little. Oh, is that what it was? The faith group so. code. Yeah. OK. Nonetheless, it's now the faith and belief code. 
Ah, so it's no longer value even group affiliation. Right. They're they're uh, so they're they're going to be when they collect up uh, these uh, th- these data points. They're going to be looking at non-believers, humanists. Um, what were some of the other ones? Uh, non-theists. Uh, just a, there was a whole list of. Yeah, uh, I, I saw this list. I think it had like heathens and deists on it. Deist was on it. I don't. I don't remember. Heathen. I saw heathen. Heathen. Let's was on see. It. No, here it is. Deist. No religion. Humanist. No response. Well, they added. Oh, little- and then. And then it says, and others. There was so like a hundred comprehensive. There was like a hundred different things. Okay. So nonetheless, um, they've done a, a, a nice little, uh, I don't know if it's called an overhaul, but yeah. they've, they've really uh, adapted to the realities of uh, American life at this point. You right? know, it's interesting because uh, this does, you know, at first blush, it doesn't seem like this would be that big a deal. Like, who cares if the, you know, if your employer recognizes whatever your religious beliefs are? But when you could die in your employ, yeah, and they could just throw you a sort of non denominational Christian. Ceremony, uh, uh, funeral, which is what they did for anyone who didn't qualify for one of their sort of standard things. Right. Um, fuck you. Yeah. Well, this is actually interesting because, uh, another article that I read this week that I chose not to go into mm. actually had to do with, um, some new polling, some new, uh, research on the number of, uh, the actual real numbers of atheists in the United States. Oh shit! I was going to do that story, and then I lost yeah. track of it. Yeah, and so like that was amazing. Basically, and I'm not going to get into like the methodology that they used, but they they did a new poll, and they were able to like compare their numbers and kind of, again, I don't fully understand what they how they did it, but they their findings are that pro like if you look at like the Pew reports and whatnot, right. that show like. Uh, maybe like up, upwards of twelve percent of the country. I think oh, I was the number. Think, I didn't even think it was that much. Maybe ten percent. I can't remember. Are you saying our atheists or are, are just... sort of fall into this like non-believer, unaffiliated group? Okay. Right. Basically, oh, okay. atheist, but like atheist, agnostic, non-believer. Like right. It's, it's not just atheist. Right. And I think that comes in around twelve, ten to twelve percent, something like that. Um, they're saying that it's at it could be at least double. Well, what they're saying, like what 26% I twenty six percent was the number I saw. What I read was that uh, it's it was likely. it was like very likely that it was over fifteen percent atheist. Yeah, because when you don't use that word, uh-huh. that word is the thing that people are f- afraid of. But right. when you just say, "Hey, do you believe in a god?" Right, or like, or do you believe that there is no god? This was a little... Th- we may be talking about two separate things. No, we're talking about the same thing. I mean, well, what they did- I got into the methodology of the, of the thing a little bit, and it wasn't like... It was comparative surveys. They ran... Anyway, I, I, this is in the weeds of how this thing was working. Right. And uh, and I don't want to go there. But the thing... But, 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 but the thing is, that it's the word atheist that becomes the poison that people don't want to don't, don't cop to. Right. And when, when you ask in a different way... Right. It turns out that they can project with pretty with with what they claimed was like ninety something percent certainty that was, that the, over twenty six percent atheist or non believer was, was like point eight 
what was where they were so 80 percent yeah and certainty. but but 90 it was like 98 percent certainty that over 15 percent or yeah. something like and that. and so what this really boils down to is the importance of coming out mm, and being willing to just say it say yeah. the word out loud because let me tell you when the when the gay community finally said you know what repercussions be damned mm. family repercussions you know problems with my career whatever this is more important me being true and honest about who i am yeah. is more important um that's when the gay rights movement really took off well i also think we need to encourage people it's the numbers it's people knowing an atheist it's people knowing right. a, a you know but I also think that there's also that there's something to be said for finding a way to encourage people to feel safe saying that word. You know what I mean? Because there well, are, there are lots of atheists who don't even realize that that's what they are. Right. But that's my point. Yeah. With, with the, the importance of coming out mm. is that the more people that have come out, the more the more times you see somebody at your office or in your neighborhood or wherever or on TV wherever it is who is 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 owning it mm. and they're still okay yeah right they're still alive and yeah maybe there's still a little bit of stigma but you, it's more just kind of everybody starts getting more used to it yeah. right and there's going to be uh, a critical mass at which point people just feel safe dealing with the stigma yeah and then it snowballs a little bit more and then there's really no more stigma because a quarter of the country agrees with you right and the safety in that like the safety in being gay at this point yeah. when the numbers are nowhere near that no like, not even close gay is and less I than five percent of the of the populace or something like yeah, that yeah like, or eight or something I don't yeah know. somewhere in the single digits single digits right and way about, way more non-believers than there are gay folks yeah, and exactly. look at look at look at how powerful the gay people have become unbelievably powerful there's there's <laughs> We got what we wanted. You got parades? Yeah. Everything. I know. Everything. We snuck it in right at the perfect time. Can you believe it? You took down No Roy gay marriage would be happening right now, let me tell you. The, the, gay, the gays took down Roy Moore. <laughs> the powerful, the great and oh powerful Roy Moore. <laughs> Nonetheless. Yeah. That's out there. Yeah. Uh, but, this, but also, uh, we, we kind of stuck, stayed on that for a minute. I wasn't planning on going there, but this whole thing, it brought up something that's been on my mind for the last few weeks, oh. just something that's, that's uh, been kind of festering a little bit, Okay, which is the, in my mind, there's this question of being a non-believer in the military, putting your life on the line, right? Yeah. Or hopefully this bigger cause that you truly believe in, Right. But what does it mean to die? What does it really mean to die for a nation's cause? Mm. Right? That's, In this world, as yeah. an like, I, I'm not, I wouldn't put myself out there. I mean, depending, like, there are, there are wars that I think need to be fought. Occasionally. And there are wars that I would conscientiously object to. Yeah. It's a case by case for me, too. Uh, but Lord knows if Donald Trump wanted to send me or my loved one out because he fucking needs wants to raise his poll numbers mm -hmm. and he doesn't give a shit about the actual results 
fuck you. Right. Yeah. I don't um, know. Like, because, I mean, I was watching something World War II-y, and, you know, there was, like, a chaplain, um, you know, sort of praying with the men before they went into, you know, got on the plane to go over to Normandy. Sure. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, holy crap. Like, like, these guys have some solace in the belief that they're, like, maybe there's some sort of afterlife. There's some sort of God. There's some sort of mm-hmm. something that's looking out for them. Right. Mm-hmm. But to not have that, uh, I think atheists being out in large numbers is really important because war becomes a lot more critical and a lot more important. If there's no, there's no afterlife. After- yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and there's no God on your side. Right. Right. Like now you, this, you better have a real existential threat to your way of life, period. And you believe in your country's cause. Right. Period. Although that's not how military people think. But some of them may, might. I don't know. The whole God know. God is on our side thing should terrify everyone. <laughs> it should. It should. Like, whether or not you're a theist, you should look at that and yeah. go, ooh. That's probably not good because, I mean, lest one need reminding, the belt buckles on the Nazi uniforms said Gott mit uns. Yeah. God is with us. Right. So come on. You Anytime somebody says that, something, people's hackles should be raised. Well, I'm going to move on. Yeah. uh, To Benedictine College. Oh? Which is obviously a, a Catholic college. Is that obvious? Uh, well, it is now because I said it out loud. That seems obvious. Uh, Benedictine College has had a very popular uh, class, but it's controversial, and they've oh. they've had to do something about it. No, oh. it was a yoga class, <laughs> and there has been concern. Oh no, concern. <gasps> yoga has created oh, no. some uh, yoga as created this is uh, yeah. this is the president of the college Stephen Minnis yeah yoga as created has some potential for eastern mysticism which has caused concern among members of the catholic church as it should actually oh, terrifying yeah terrifying no it should <laughs> it is a competing like it's a spiritual practice right well what what is one to do it's so popular <laughs> it makes the kids all healthy right well, you and I have discussed this before in terms of like they did bending and stretching only. What what what's the solution? They call it. They just changed the name. It's now stretching and breathing class. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and they don't say namaste or ring bells. Let me tell you something. These guys have been listening to our show. Yeah. <laughs> They've been listening to our We came up with that years ago. <laughs> all the kids and their all, every, all the parents are all worried about their their children doing yoga, so we just said call it stretching class. Yeah. Stretching and breathing class. Stretching and breathing. And some balance. That's it's you couldn't name a class a stupider name and yet <laughs> solved it. Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> I mean, they could work in some Catholic stuff. You know, you, instead of namaste at the end, you say some Latin You thing. say amen. You say, you say, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. In nomine patriot, fili et spiritus sancti. <laughs> what is namaste supposed to mean again? I see you or it's, something? It, okay, so Americans who say it, like spiritual Americans, say that it means 
the light in me recognizes the light in you. Oh, Jesus. I like to say that I looked, A, looked it up. Right. That's not what it means. Oh, no. And I went to India. And, you know, I don't think that the stewardess on the airplane meant to say the light in me recognizes the light in you as I was deplaning. Uh, it was just like namaste, namaste. Na- it was, it was bye-bye. <laughs> namaste. <laughs> you going to go? Uh, namaste. <laughs> n- 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 namaste. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you a uh, uh, uh. namaste. <laughs> Could I just get a uh, namaste? Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> <sighs> Boy, Dan. Uh, well, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, if you have anything that you'd like to talk to us about, if you if you go attend a regular bending and stretching class and wish that it d- didn't have that Eastern myth- mysticism, oh, it's terrible Eastern mysticism, <laughs> which it's is the worst. Which I mean, I, as I've said before on the show, when I was in India, I asked multiple people, and they all were like, "No, there's no religion to this. It's just exercise." Which just blew my mind. Anyway, if you don't have anything you'd like to say about any of the things we've discussed on today's show, you can do so by writing into us, podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. It is indeed. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist, And while there, search for the TGIA Members Only Lounge and request to join. It's a closed group, but we'll let you in. You betcha. So Dan, yeah. Uh, who is this? E. W. Jackson. <laughs> and who the hell is he? This know. is a new one. I'm looking. I don't up know who this picture. guy is at all. I'm looking up his picture right now. Well, I, I, I'm looking at a picture. Yeah. So he's at a podium. He's a he's, he's a, got a he's a flag pastor. Earl Walker E. W. Jackson Sr., American conservative politician, Christian minister. And lawyer in Virginia. Oh, he's a Whoa. oh he was he was an unsuccessful Republican Party nominee for lieutenant governor. Oh, of that state. Okay, uh, he's got some opinions on 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 how the world works and uh, and what there is. Uh, <laughs> and he has some shocking revelations. Yes. All right. Well, let's listen. This guy could erupt into a an Islamic jihadist. It seems to me at any moment if he's walking around the street telling women what they can and cannot wear. Folks, religion is one of the most dangerous things in the world. Religion is. Now, some people say, exactly. That's why Christianity is so dangerous. Christianity is not a religion, folks. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship of God's people with him as father, Jesus as Lord, it is a living relationship. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And we live and breathe and have our being in him. It's not religion. It's reality. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, here's, here's what I'd like to ask oh God, E.W. E. No. no. Um, so you're not going to be fighting for 
re- the religious rights of Christians anymore. No. Right? Because it's we not can a, let go of that. It's fight. not a religion. It's not a religion. You don't have any. You don't have any religious rights. Yeah, there's no. There's no. You don't. You it's, don't need to worry about the rights of of yeah, Christians. It's, it's not. It's it's a. It's not it's a, a relationship, Dan. It's reality. It's a relationship. <laughs> it's, it's, a real, a, it's a way of life, really. More sure. Than, more than being a re, any anything, relig, religions. Because there's nothing more dangerous so, it's than just religion. awful. The yeah. religions are are super dangerous. Thank God he's not part of a religion. <laughs> and therefore, his institution needs to pay taxes, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, let's do it. Doesn't, I mean, let's he, get him signed up. Or if if it doesn't need to pay taxes, at very least he needs to report all of all of his uh finances. Yeah. Cuz it's not a religion. Right. Yeah, he can. Okay, maybe let him still be a nonprofit, but you have to go through all the all the nonprofit stuff, all the nonprofit nonsense. Someone should tell the IRS he's not part of his isn't a religion. Well, send him the clip. Right? <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Well, we had some folks write into us, indeed, and call into us. Yeah. Uh, Phil wrote in. Uh, we had you and I had talked a little bit about places. Uh. That are the, the, that would for, for secular reflection. Ah, yes. Uh, because you know, all, yeah. All, we, yeah. Uh, and museums, muse- libraries. Yeah. Places, places that, that, that we can sort of experience the grandeur that, mm-hmm. that we would feel in a, in a cathedral or mm-hmm. a yeah. Mormon ward house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Phil wrote in to say, dear team, I guess that's us. The desire for places of a sec- of secular worship that you alluded to on your last episode reminded me of my favorite book, Religion for Atheists by Alain Botton. Mm, uh-huh. Uh, an amazing attempt to lay a framework for atheist spiritual activities. Love you guys. Thank you for everything. Yeah, we talked about that book early in the series. Yeah, like when it first came out or whatever, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember that now. Well, neither of us read it. I think I read it. Did you read it? I think I did. Okay, I didn't read it's it. It's probably sitting on my bookshelf at home. Yeah, I think I, I I do object. I I we need a better word than spirituality. Yes, because I don't know what the fuck that word means, and every time I ask, I get a different answer. Just like we need a a, a different word uh, from soul. We we, we yeah. don't need the word soul. Soul is a bad like it 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 has all this other but like there is something there is a human soul it's just not eternal there's a, there's, and it's not separate from the human from 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 our our bodies our bodies and our condition and but but there's something that is deep within us deep in our psyche right that right. that that is that is ponderous and that's well, what's how do you even describe what it is but well, there's something and- there's something there again, not eternal, right? And also, I feel like there's something. I I feel like it's all. There's no need to separate that sense of connection that we feel to mm-hmm. our fellow humans. Right. That sense of 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 awe at the universe. Right. There's no need to separate that from our brains. No. That's that lives in our brains, and that's fine. There's no there's, good. There's not. There's no ghosty thing sort of wandering no, around. No, 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 no. That goes on after we die or whatever. But it's it's brains. We've got but, these great brains, and they have all of this stuff in. And it. I, and I would love it if there was a word like soul and a word like spirituality that could sum these things up without all the 
baggage that without comes with the those religious words. sort of you know, yeah baggage yeah. yeah yeah but anyway great yeah yeah Alain Bartol yeah Alain Bartol <laughs> Um, do you want to play the the voicemail? Yeah, let, let's let's take a listen. This is um apropos of nothing that we've brought up in the show recently. Mm. Uh and it's really just a question from uh a listener. And so, uh, I'm just going to play it. Yeah. Hi Frank and Dan. This is John from West Georgia, drunk again. And uh I really appreciate y'all's podcast. I really enjoy it. And I was hoping that somebody in the atheist community maybe that could hear this or or maybe that you or frank and dan might know of any kind of alternate alternative to aa for people that don't believe in bullshit and uh i really appreciate it thank you guys thank you john uh yeah. and i think the bullshit he's talking about there is sort of that belief in a higher power yeah, submitting to it's a higher a, power it's like thing. the first rule the first of the 12 steps or well, something. i think the first one is admitting that you have a problem oh, okay fine and then after that who knows it's two, three, four. So it's, it's it's early on. It's somewhere in there. Yeah. And it's nonsense and it sucks. Like, you know, people without a belief in a higher power. Yeah. You well, know, the, there's a the thing about AA. And, and AA tries to make space for it by saying, right. you know, like, you interpret this however you want to interpret this. It's going to be the group that you get in with. Right. right. Uh, but also, like, yeah, it sucks because AA is the organization that's basically everywhere yeah you know that people can can access for some support in uh you know changing their relationship with alcohol yeah um i.e abstinence um from alcohol but nonetheless um yeah there are other there are other groups there's rational recovery yeah, is that you a know? thing? Yeah, I don't, I don't I know much about called. it. I don't know much about it either. But there are all, there are other things, and you have some mm. stuff pulled up, Dan. Well, I don't have some stuff pulled. Oh, up. I thought you were going to point of fact. I, start, I started to look some stuff up, but didn't wasn't successful in the brief moment that I was doing it. But well, here's, I would think of maybe like the secular uh, therapist project. Yes, would probably have some resources. I think so. I, and so check in with them. But what I wanted to do was put a call out to our listeners mm. and just say. Especially if you have a history of 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 addiction, it would be great if you if you found a group that worked for you, right? Like because I don't want to just spout the names of groups, right? I would love to hear from people who either for themselves or for a yeah. loved one or whatever. So have, this is kind of a, a community group call. Like we're calling out to the community. Here. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we'd love to get the word out about some good groups that, that, that might be helpful for people struggling with addiction. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. Here's the other thing about AA. N the research has shown that like the 12 step thing, not the best way to handle this. Hmm. There's like new, there's new research that's talking about that. There are much better modalities for handling addiction. Oh, really? But I don't know what they are. I'm, I am not educated on this. Someone out there is much more educated than we are. So uh, so this is our call. Uh, please write into us, podcast at thinkautomatheist.com, and, uh, and let us know what you got. Uh, and thanks, John, for, for, for putting the question out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lars wrote in to us. Uh, you recall that we did a story about the – you did a story about the lady in Sweden who, won, who wanted to be a midwife – Mm -hmm. But in Sweden, part of that is uh, is is doing abortions, right? Yeah, and so she she objected to that and then couldn't get hired, right? 
Because it's part of the job description. She's refusing right. to do the whole I'll, job description. Right. Although I think we reported uh, that she was fired or something along those lines, that she lost a job. I, yeah, I don't remember that. Well, here's what Lars said. Uh, thank you for an immensely entertaining podcast. I thought I should fill in some, blank, some missing pieces in your coverage of the Swedish midwife. She didn't lose her job. She never, uh, she never had it in the first place. She arguably well aware of what the, what the role of a midwife entails in Sweden, went through a multi-year education to graduate. She got her education supported by the Swedish education system, i.e. no tuition fees. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, in Sweden you can get nice and educated for free. Right. Um... And then she applied as a midwife uh, and was turned down due to her stated unwillingness to do the freaking job. Uh, she, she's, here's, this is an interesting point that I did not know. She's economically supported by the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is an American group, uh, who's also picking up the substantial legal tab uh, for this adventure. Uh, she, and she's taking this to the European Human Rights Court. After losing the Swedish uh, legal system. Oh, boy. So she's, uh, yeah, she's sponsored by an American far-right Christian anti-abortion organization. Great. Of course she is. Well, thanks for for giving us a little bit of that insight, Lars. Yeah. Whom I assume is from Sweden. The name like Lars? You'd think. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so, yeah, good on us exporting our... Our uh, nonsense. Export, yeah. We can't just leave, you know, Scandinavia alone. No, no, Well no. enough alone. No. With their... Everything's so good in America, we got to make sure that everybody else gets a piece of that action. Ooh. Wow. Yikes. All right. Well, do we, do we have anybody to thank? We do. We have some new patron... Patreon... Patrons. New patrons. Patrons. On Patreon. Uh, I am Patron. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we have one new faithful listener, uh, Christina, and one new beatified, Janet. Oh, Thank wow. you, ladies, for oh, your support. It's so amazing. It is uh, amazing. That people are willing to do yeah. this. And of course, the show is still brought to you by James. The, our Lord, our and Savior. Lord and Savior. Our dear, dear Lord and Savior, James. Uh, in the name of the Father... And of the sun, and of the holy not spirit brain, the holy brain. Amen. Amen. So, Dan, you had a conversation with someone. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Robert Askins. Robert Askins. He's a he's he's a fascinating fella. Former. Used to preach. I don't okay. know. He had a, he had a preachy thing happening. All right. He's got a tattoo on his wrist of a church. Oh my! A little okay. Little iconographic thing. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. And here we go. I'm gonna press play. Well, I'm here with Robert Askins, Tony Award nominated, amazing playwright <laughs> Robert Askins. You're like famous and shit. Do you realize that? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, like playwright famous is is a different kind of famous. Well, yeah, you're not gonna be stopped on the street, probably. No, not at all. <laughs> that, which is good, probably. You also like people will be at your show and not know it's you. <laughs> so yeah. You can, like going to the bathroom and hear him talking shit. <laughs> so that's really valuable as that's a creative, awesome as actually a creative human. That's that's some yeah, sneaky it's really shit good. right there. And then you like whisper in their ear, I'm the playwright. 
I wrote that shit. I wrote that shit. Fuck you. You put your finger in their ear. Right? Yeah. That's how you get nominated for a Tony. That's kids. how you get it. It's that's a cutthroat what, world out there. That's what's up. Guys, it's it's tough. Right. So I, I here's the thing. I've had you, man. I've had like you know, important religious people and important sure. scientists on my show. And sure. I've never, I, I've neglected the arts entirely, which oh, is some bullshit. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm like awful in the arts and stuff. Well, I'm happy to be, to break your artist cherry. I know you're totally popping it right now. <laughs> yeah, man. You're blowing my mind. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, you, you, uh, you wrote the play hand to God, yeah. which is, which is just real story. All, all kinds of acclaim all over the country. Yeah, man. Being produced every which where. Yeah, the struggle's real. Uh probably I mean, I would say now you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, the yeah, best yeah. version of it is probably the one that's playing at Salt Lake Acting Company right now. Absolutely 100%. Like you've never seen a better version of no. it than the one that's here, Not right? Oh, man. No. <laughs> it's almost like the, I dreamed you all. Right? Right? Uh, so anyway, uh, listeners, some of you know because I've I've talked about it that, that I am I am playing a role in in Rob's show here uh, in Salt Lake City. Um, so that's that's our connection. That's how yeah, we know absolutely. each other. Are you uh, are you pleased with 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 what's happened with your show? Absolutely, man. Do you mean a larger sense or a smaller sense? I mean all of the senses, man. Um, I think it's amazing. Like I, well, you know, I good. I write a little bit here yeah, and there. Yeah, yeah. What is it? How did it feel when you found out your show was going to Broadway, man? Um, it was, that was actually sort of a relief. Yeah. Because, you know, I think like, I, don't, I actually don't know what people think getting those big calls is like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not like. That's why I had to ask. Because I have yeah. no idea what that call sounds like. It's not like you send it off to like some anonymous human. To Broadway. Right. Exactly. And then Broadway's Askins. right. Oh, you're famous now. <laughs> you know, Broadway. Get, get Mr. Askins the standard rich and famous contract. Your limo's here. <laughs> and I'll move into the plaza. It's not like that. It's like, it's a, uh, it's a struggle, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the producers start coming. At, you get it. You know, you get the good review. And, um, yeah, you, you had the show off Broadway. We had it off, 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 off. Right. And, and, and Our original run was in a 78 seat theater. Um, on the second floor of a building in Hell's Kitchen uh, at 52nd and 11th Avenue. Nice. And it's so far over there, it literally takes 20 minutes to walk from the train. Wow. And it's a great theater and a lovely theater that was started in the 60s when people were giving away spaces for like a dollar a year. (laughs) Right. Um, But the theater had fallen on hard times, whatever. Mm. And I got there maybe, you know, probably five years before and was just uh, sweeping the stage and getting coffee and that kind of shit. And I wrote plays until, you know, one of them was good. And so, like, it was it was a thing because the theater had not had that kind of attention in a very, very, very long time. Yeah. And so we did the show and, like, the members were the first people to come because it's a membership theater. Yeah. And they would come out, like, crying. They were so happy. And then the reviewer came and it was a third stringer from the Times. Wow. And then the, the, then somebody's agent, uh, my director's agent at the time, called the Times up and was like, no, 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 you need to get Mr. Charles Isherwood down here. <laughs> and so Isherwood came and gave us a, a good review. And then the word, which means everything in New York. Oh yeah, the Times Review is like everything. That's like that's, everything. That's that's nuclear right there. Right, absolutely. It took it to the next level, and then um, 
the word of mouth was apocalyptic. Like it was the word of mouth as much as that review. Like, and it was also like, like I said, a 78 seat theater. So not a lot of people could see it. So it had this sort of like off, off cachet. Right. And like, so people were just like cramming in and it was raucous because the show, the show's great in y'all's space. But our space was much smaller, right? And it was like it's a little thrustish. It was, you know, oh, sure. like a, you can't call it a half a half thrust, but two quarter thrust, like so people on multiple sides of the stage, sort of, right? Thing. And yeah. you're like close enough to get the blood on you. Um, and so people were people were losing their shit, and then the Broadway folks showed up, a couple of them. Um, and you know, uh, the, the gentleman we ended up working with, Kevin McCollum had produced Avenue Q. Oh, right. And Kevin was like, I had no idea who any of these humans were. They'd like come up to me afterwards in the lobby and be like, Hey, how, uh, Hey, what's going on? I'm <laughs> X. And I'd like Google X later and they'd be like, Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I should have. Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. No, but it helped because yeah. I wasn't nervous. So right, I could be totally. honest with them. Um, and so I met Kevin and Kevin asked that all important question, is the play done? And I was like, no, of course the play isn't done. And that's like the first thing a playwright needs to know is that when they ask that, you should never say yes. If you say the play is done, you're essentially saying I'm a dickhead and I don't want to collaborate with anyone. <laughs> so it's just like, even if you think it's done, yeah. you know? Um, <clears throat> so, and then like Kevin was like, okay, let's sit down and, and talk about things. And so we went to his office and like, that was weird going to his office. Yeah. And then like, you know, and then we had a lot of conversations and a lot of notes, conversations. It was great and everything was wonderful. And then like the, the project sat there. Right. For like two years. <laughs> it was like, and I was like, oh, I missed my chance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything going away. Um, and then I had to make a change in, in my management team, in my, in my um, representational team. Mm. And once that happened... We got the off-Broadway run right. at the Lortel. And the change from 78 seats to 199 and the change from a semi-thrust into a proscenium and the change from a primarily younger audience to a primarily like middle to older audience. Right. And then we did a lot of work turning it from sort of like light farce is not the right it's not the right thing to say, but taking, toning down some of the farcical elements and bringing up some of the more emotional and disturbing elements. Right. And so on all of those things together, we got better reviews across the board for the off version. Right. And that's what made the producer pull the trigger. That's amazing. And so when I got the call saying, You're, it, we, it wasn't a call, we had a meeting. Right. And I was sitting there at the, at the across the table with the guy and he was like, we're going to Broadway. And it was like. <clears throat> cool. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't like, holy fucking shit, we're going to Broadway. Yeah. It was like, oh, thank God I didn't fuck this up. Yeah. I want to sort of tell some of my, sort of clue the listeners into some of the themes of this of this play. Yeah, sure. And that, that's, be, I mean, obviously the, our our topic, our theme of our show is is, is largely uh, religious yeah, or man or anti-religious or sure. non-religious or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. And your play really delves into that. I mean, well, it, what, and I find it so interesting in a few ways. Uh, your play takes place in a church mm -hmm. uh, in, in Cypress, Texas, where mm -hmm. you grew up, mm -hmm. your hometown, mm -hmm. a little uh, Methodist, sorry, Lutheran. Yeah. I don't know why Methodist came out. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> a, a Lutheran church. Uh, there's a pastor. The whole thing sort of largely takes place inside the church, mm -hmm. in, but never in the chapel. 
mm-hmm. uh, in an office space and in a in a sort of recreational uh, room downstairs. Yeah. And it, but it revolves around kind of I. And correct me if, if 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 you see it differently, but to me it seems like the main one of the main themes is the notion of where the reality of human life kind of butts up against the the narrative of the religion. I mean, it feel it feels like there's a lot of there's a lot of like yes, there are all these rules that we that all of the characters seem to have some buy in on uh yeah. in terms of the religious rules you know there's yeah. a pastor there's a there's a woman who who wants to be very you know she mm-hmm. says that the thing that's saving her is her devotion mm-hmm. to her lord, lord and savior jesus christ yeah yeah totally and yet life yeah and yet life so uh so so talk about that when uh, are, are you still religious now you grew up in a in a in a lutheran household and oh yeah we were you know it was a um uh my uh, the subdivision, I guess, is the little community outside of Houston where I grew up, was a lot of old farmers. It was a lot of old German farmers that had come down from the Panhandle for oh. one reason or the other. Interesting. Um, and they had brought that sort of very small town, churches, the center of the world um, idea of, of culture with them. Right. And so that's what I was raised in. Uh, and I, um, you know, I, I, was a, <laughs> I was in the children's choir. And my mother had a puppet ministry. And then I ended up preaching for a little while. And a puppet ministry plays a, a big role in this play. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, Just, and, I, I, yeah. The thing is, I, I hate talking about this play because anyone who hasn't seen it, there's so many delightful, just yeah. really delicious surprises right. in it. And they hear puppet and they hear puppet ministry and they think they know what the play is a lot right. of the time. Yeah. Trust me. It, yeah. You're, you're not going to get Avenue Q and no. you're not, you're not going to get the, the, the Jesus, Jesus babies or whatever right. from King yeah. of the Hill or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's a very much its own world. Yeah. It's its own thing. Um, and so we did all that and I did all that and I was a, you know, a really, for lack of the, I was always somebody interested in theater and performance. Right. And there's, there was just no other, there was a, uh, a community theater called Playhouse 1960 that we would, that I would take part in, but like nothing right. is as, as captivated or captivating as the, um, machinery of the religion on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has higher stakes. <laughs> I mean, it just has higher stakes. In the way that the they're foot- kind of built in. Right. In the way that the football game is undecided. Right. And the way that, like, they they have, uh, it depends, right? Like, a staid country clubbish church, a church that is about participating in a community, yeah. as opposed to a, a church that is interested in a live wire salvation. Mm. Um, is very is very different. There are stakes in a revival tent that are not there in an Episcopalian church on a Sunday morning. Right, right. Um, so those are very different things. But uh, to get up to specifically, you're preaching, and like I'm a you know I, I like to get rowdy. You know it it can get very intense, and that was the thing that always interested me about performance. Um, but dogma fails like mm. dogma fails again and again and again and my mm. my father passed when i was 16 and most of the brahmides of the church which had been i don't know the trappings of it like it it didn't like the words were there uh, and that's you know that's interesting and you're given a text and that's cute and you sing the songs and that's you know that's fun like yeah. everybody likes that and then you go through uh, the liturgy which is like in some ways, a strange um, magic spell. 
yeah for for saving everybody and that's and that's pretty that's pretty great as well and then you get to the real brass tacks of the motherfucker like somebody dies yeah and like the rubber has to hit the road or right. it's, or or it's or right. it's over game and over and all the proverbs shit doesn't work anymore right. because you were given a list of things uh to do you were given a list of rules and you're given a list of attitudes poses Mm. Because they don't like if you really look at things like the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a dark, dark book. Yeah. It is a book that's concerns are the failure of human effort. And it is in the religious text, but it is glossed over. Right. And it might be one of the things that needs to be high, high lit that needs to be raised up more than any other because it sits right next to a cause and effect. Believe and you will be celebrated prosperity, like prosperity gospel bullshit idea. But it's like, no. And that that approach is like more of the utility of the religion is to have multiple of these voices. Mm. The epic's value is it says all things and contradicts itself in the way that the world and human experience says all things and contradicts itself. Right. At some point, the epic's desire is to take all the world and shrink it into language. Yeah. Right. And the Bible almost coming together haphazardly is one of our truer epics because it is voices over millennium. Right. Yelling in different languages about specific times that are braided together through almost nothing but poetic rhyme of image. And it is this intense object that one can read like tea leaves or the E fucking Ching. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, but then, you know, you're a kid and your dad dies and you've got idiots, <laughs> like really, really stupid men who have, you know, grown up in a specific religious tradition and a specific, you know, American brand of Christianity and right. a certain like seminary instruction and they're saying God has a plan for everyone and you're like you can go fuck yourself right you have nothing to say to grief you awful awful human like you don't know you have no idea what you're talking about right now even if you have gone through terrible griefs whatever you're saying is insufficient right now right it's my my experience of of religious approach the religious approach to grief is almost always an end run around it yeah it's an it's an attempt to uh to to dodge the grief rather than to actually deal with confront or 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 god forbid actually feel it right and the like the services that you go to these like the memorial services at least the churches that i grew grew up going to are just awful they're Mm. just garbage because they say one thing the pastor, and you're supposed to be excited that the pastor's there, and the pastor had one or two conversations with the dead person, and they just recount one or two conversations. And maybe they tell a humorous anecdote, and they say, but, you know, they loved God, and then they launch into a fucking sermon, and you're like, no, what are we, what are we doing? There is like, give me a pyre. Yeah. Let us make a ritual. Let us wail like Sicilian women on the beach. Like... Where is the moment that we all get together and say they're gone because we don't do it? We ignore the loss because of the eventual salvation. I don't know. Some Christian sects don't. But the way that Americans practice 
is really psychologically damaging. I agree with that. I, I mean, when I go to, you know, I'm from Utah. I'm, I was raised LDS. I, when I go to a Mormon funeral, yeah, it's all about, like, we should be joyful because we will see this person again. And none of it's about, well, fuck, we don't get to see this person ever again in the only life that we really know. And it's supposed, it's supposed to, like, deny your sadness. Yeah. Like, don't tell me not to be sad, you cocksucker. Right. Like, my dad just died. Don't you tell me God has a fucking plan yeah. and I need to ignore these fucking feelings. You can go fuck yourself. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And, like, I'm just not into it. So, like, also, it fucked me up. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I spent a lot of years, like, not feeling those things and, like drinking my way through it and that was a really great way to waste money and years <laughs> of my life you know what i mean yeah. so like and then all you got to do is distill it into a play that yeah well i mean it also got me a tony nomination <laughs> <laughs> Nomin nomination which that's so that's good I, I suppose that's all right yeah i mean that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um do you, do you do you do you have a religious side of you now i mean i like i went through a hardcore atheist phase after um you know, I preached after my dad passed because it was a great way to performatively work through some of that stuff. Mm. Um, so I'd get up on stage and fucking emote and then, you know, do an altar call. Um, and, you know, that is whatever that is. But then I went to Baylor, which is a Baptist university. And then, you know, it's mandatory church and mandatory religious stuff and like it's also like oh my god it's the worst of the high money texas religious mm. it is like the fucking worst um and it's all like dallas debutantes and like it, anyway whatever it is what it is right and um i was like i was probably the most <laughs> abrasive version of myself there <laughs> like I'm, I'm fairly well reconstructed so <laughs> that tells you what the journey was like um yeah so i was really i was a really really abrasive you can go fuck yourself atheist at the time and um then you know uh i got out of of texas mm -hmm. you know my first play was was a very aggressive uh, religious allegory because i'd always been there's a part in the liturgy where uh, I think it's which one of the creeds is it? Apostles' Creed, uh, where it says that Jesus died uh, and descended into hell on the third day. He rose again. So I wrote this play about Jesus in hell for three days with the devil. And it's, oh, interesting! And it's about like it's set as a prison, a prison love story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that we, we got, had a lot of fans at Baylor. Um, yeah, but, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. that did very well. Well, it did what I wanted it to. It, I'll you bet. Know, like they wouldn't cast me, so I was like, "Fuck you! I'm going to take your stage." <clears throat> um, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm a vindictive motherfucker, <laughs> uh, but I do it in writing. Um, so, and then I left and went to New York and I, you know, was so used to like just kicking against things that were no longer there. Oh, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like all of a sudden nobody was trying to make me go to chapel and I was like, oh, you can go like yourself. <laughs> and they were like, bro, you need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. You ain't yelling at nobody that's her. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because I wasn't. Um, I love it. And they were like. Uh, so the thing changed. And you, you, had, you had space yeah, to be whoever you wanted to be. A lot of space. And I got to thinking about it. And I got to think about sort of the comfort elements. You know, I got to think about, like, the importance it has uh, to my mother and to those small communities when there's nothing else. Yeah. And to, like, um, like elements of comfort in the songs and element of comfort in, in some of the Proverbs. <clears throat> um, you know, just because they failed me didn't mean they failed everybody. Right. And I sort of got to this place 
uh, and I'm, I'm there recently, and it's it's less the anger around the events of of my youth, specifically those events, are, are still there. But the fascination mm. with what it is has taken over more and more, and just sort of delight in how bizarre it is. I'm with you, man. That's that's yeah, that's yeah, right where the juice is, right? There. Right, and like almost like I want to know. I want to know why. Like, what is? Why is the wrong word? Hmm. Like, I'm interested in the way that the false changes the real, and I'm interested in the way that the story that we live in changes the actual reality around us. I love it. Because that's fucking, that's number one, it's sexy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but number two, it's also what we do in a hyper-narrative environment. Like, we are constantly changing the shape of the world with the stories we're telling about it. <clears throat> Can I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to circle up? back to the play itself. Yeah. Because, there's one, it. because one of the things that I love about your play is that, you know, <clears throat> the temptation for a lot of playwrights who, or a lot of writers who are reacting as you have against uh, a religious upbringing and, and sort of the bullshit of religion. Mm -hmm. You don't slam religion oh, hell no. in this play. Oh, hell no. I mean, I suppose a religious person could see it another way because you, 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 you sort of bookend it with two monologues that are that, that sort of tell a narrative that that implies that, you know, Jesus and the religion was sort of cre a man-made creation. Yeah, I think a lot of really smart religious folks don't hate that, though. Right. Sorry, go ahead. But a lot of less smart religious <laughs> folks totally hate that. Yeah, totally. But, the point, but you've got, you know, you've got a play that it takes place in a church, involves, uh, you know, sex with a minor. Yeah. Involves, but not the pastor. That was an interesting choice. Yeah, I totally. kind of liked that. But it involves, you know, sex and, and, and sort of debauchery or what, what, you know, religious people would consider debauchery. Mm -hmm. Never once does it say... The church is bad no. or the church is wrong no. or this is the fault of the church. No. Uh, it says that the church might be might have some complicity mm -hmm. or in, 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 in sort of in sort of pushing people in the wrong directions sure. or something. Yeah. But but I but I think that that's fascinating. Was that a conscious choice or did this flow from you just as you were? And, and that's just sort of where you happen to be. I yeah, I, I think that. Um the choice specifically not to make the pastor a villainous character mm. was very specific. Was was like I'm not, I'm just not. Also, I've, I've just I've, I've seen that play. Yeah. Like I know villainous pastors, and we have more than enough narratives about you know fiddling priests that right. we don't. I mean, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, little boys get touched, yes. and like that's a fucking tragedy. But that's not that's not my point of contact with the thing that is called religion. Right. Um. Uh, I want a thing that is true to my experience. Yeah. And what is true to my experience is that there were a lot of people who tried to love on me, you know, yeah. and including, including my mother and, you know, people in the church and like, as much as I have anger at a lot of them, like a lot of them are really genuinely trying to do the best yeah. within the time and place that they were, are. Yeah. And that to me is like, good is impossible. Mm. Good is impossible. Like in this world, 
Number one, to know what it is. Number two, to do it. Number right. three, to do it effectively on a large scale. Right. So when humans undertake that project of goodness, it should be honored from a sincere place. Uh-huh. The motherfucker who's trying to put your money in their pocket, suspicion. If you fucking little kids, suspicion. But there are humans that are genuinely inside the machine trying desperately to make it do its fucking job. Right. You know, and though they may be thwarted by the problem, that is hierarchy. Though they be thwarted by the thing that is time and a misunderstanding or a culture, they are trying to do good. And that must be honored at some point. Preach. Yeah, boo-boo. I like it. I'll do it. Man, uh, so one other question. So... You've seen you've seen productions of this play now all over the country. Yeah. At this point, you're in Salt yeah. Lake City. Yeah, yeah, uh, man. Uh, you did you see the? I know I'm aware that there was a production in Houston, which yeah. is right near T- Cyprus, which yeah. is with, yeah, totally. that's sort of your home turf. Yeah, man. How, how what did you think of of like how did how did Houston respond to your view of them? I mean, like uh, I think yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. To like factor in and talk about because right. it's already it's a, it's a success, right? Yeah, and that and theater goers are by and large a self selecting crowd. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Like Shit. we're not gonna get like my mom's pastor. Right. <laughs> Do you know what right. I mean? And the and, Mormons didn't come to Book of Mormon when it came here, so right. Yeah, which is not to say we don't have religious folks coming. Sure. Um, it's just to say that like Houston, the theatrical community was very excited to be able to do it and very excited that somebody speaking specifically about that area and about the issues in that area, um, had, had done it with humor, you know, did did people approach you and say this was a catharsis for them? Yeah. Oh yeah. We all, yeah. There's a lot of humans that have like seen the show and been like, Oh wow, this is, you know, this is true to my experience or like, you know, my dad died or I was in a Christian puppet ministry or fuck Jesus. Like I get, (laughs) it's a great thing about like the play is like, not to say loose enough, but the play like is um, fighting didacticism actively in yeah. every scene, and like the play is not didactic enough for people to approach it and access it, it where they're at. Um, whether like if all they want to see is puppets fucking, they see puppets fucking, and if they want to like hear only the first and last monologues, the epilogue and the prologue, they hear the epilogue and the prologue, and if they want to see like human love and forgiveness, they see that. So yeah. it that's fun. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. into that. Yeah, this, this play does have a lot of whatever you bring to it. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a thing. It's like the most honest thing I, I can make or have made up to, up to this point, I think. I love it. Who knows? I love it. I, it truly is an extraordinary play. I actually, thanks, man. I, I adore that I get to do uh, well, it. thanks, man. I'm glad you get to do it, too. You're fucking great in it. Well, thank you. No, my pleasure. Um, hey, Rob, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, it's really, my pleasure. I really man. appreciate it. No, I, I dig it. It's been a pleasure to meet you, man. Awesome. Awesome. Bro. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Huh? Yeah, Dan. Interesting guy. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed our talk. Well done. Yeah. Really fun. Anyway, thanks to Robert Askin so much for, uh, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, thank you. Thanks to, uh, you know, if, if you guys want to write in, if you have anything you need to say, 
about Mr. Askins or anything that we've had on the show, please yeah. feel free to write into us, podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Indeed. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist. And while you're there, you can search for the TGIA Members Only Lounge and request to join. It's a closed group, uh, which means it protects your privacy. Right. And uh, but we'll let you in. We will. And uh, those the people that will probably let you in are the people that I have to thank right now. The very very sweet and kind uh, Sarah, Amy, and Danny. And thanks, of course, to Mackenzie for all of the posts that she does daily on Facebook. She's an amazing. She is also amazing. Yeah, genuinely, she is. genuinely yeah. great. Kind of wonderful. Uh, and to the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their music. Yeah, and to Gordon Johnston for the use of his. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. We sure do appreciate it when you do. Bye! Bye!